You are listening to Open Mic Spotlight with Heatherly Holt. Open Mic Spotlight is a weekly podcast featuring intimate conversations and performances with musicians and artists from Chattanooga and the surrounding areas. Take a closer look at all the wonderful talent and culture the Chattanooga music scene has to offer. Songbirds Guitar Museum, a guitar-oriented pop culture experience for the whole family, is now open at the historic Chattanooga Choo Choo. Come experience the beauty and evolution of the guitar. Discover the origins of rock and roll from gospel to blues and jazz to R&B to the sounds of Motown and the invasion of the British. See and hear the impact of surf music and rural acoustic music of country, bluegrass, and folk. Each Songbirds Guitar Museum exhibit features the guitars that made the music as well as the stories and artists that brought them to life. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic Spotlight. I am your host, Heather Lee Holt, and today is a very special day because we have Lowland Hum here. Hi. Hi. Hey, we're so glad to be here. Yeah, how's it going? It's going well. And do each of you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Lauren Goins, and... And I am Daniel Goins. We're married. We're not brother and sister. Someone made that mistake recently. It was It was Brother-sister duo, Lowland Hum, and we were like, oh, Yikes. no. <laughs> Where are you guys from? We live in Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. We're originally from North Carolina. Charlottesville's been a new home base, and we really like it. So you are visiting here today because you're playing a show here tonight. Yeah. Yeah, we were really excited. We were planning on playing this thing we did in Nashville and then just picking up a few days later in Jackson, Mississippi. But a new friend reached out and wanted to do this house show. So we are doing it tonight and we're excited and mm-hmm. we appreciate you having us yeah. on your podcast too. I'm so excited. And your new friend is Christy and mm-hmm. she does a lot of house shows and they're great and oh, intimate good. and so special. And if you haven't been to a house show in Chattanooga, there are quite a few people that host them in town, and it's growing in popularity very quickly, and you should check it out. Why don't we go ahead and get right into a song? Okay. That sounds great. We just put out a record a couple weeks ago, or I guess it's now about a month and a half ago, and this song is on this new record, and it's called Folded Flowers. The song is called Folded Flowers. The record is called Thin. Yes. Just to clarify. Well said. Calm, 
talking about how you made this album and you talked a little bit about how you recorded all yourself. You want to talk Mm -hmm. about it? Sure, we can. Before this album was made, we decided we wanted to do it ourselves. And rather than renting out a studio space where we're paying for every minute we spend there, we decided to try to find kind of a DIY space where we could set up our own gear and take our time with it. Um, And uh, it was a great challenge for us really we through a friend connected with someone who had an attic space that they weren't using over this I guess they normally use it as an office space but they weren't using it over the summer and so um, he let us set up all of our gear up in the attic and we got a few new pieces of gear to kind of upgrade our system and we kind of watched a lot of YouTube videos to figure out how to best use that gear and we engineered it ourselves and it was a really slow process yeah It was great, though. I can relate. (laughs) We also tried, we've had studio musicians. So I produce records for other bands when we're not on tour. And so I often imagine things or hear parts that I can't personally play. Mm -hmm. And I just call in friends that I know or musicians I've worked with before that can play pretty much anything. And 
just say, you know, it's going to be like this and sort of explain the part. But for our record, we decided not to have anybody else play on it. So I either, if I heard a part that I couldn't play, I either had to get better or that song maybe didn't make it on or, you know, we just tried to work on pushing on each song and limiting how many elements are on each song and seeing if we would still like it with just a few elements on it that we could reproduce live. In elements our, meaning layers. Uh, instruments, layers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So on previous records, we'd kind of just let the song grow into whatever size it seemed to require. And even if that meant a hundred tracks, mm-hmm. we would just do it and then kind of figure out how to tour it after we finished it. But this time we kept the live show in mind with how much instrumentation we put on each song. So that's a, that was another new approach and I think was a big challenge mm-hmm. and really helped us kind of really ask hard questions like, is this actual song something we like enough just by itself to put on a record? And it's like, not as it is. Can we change it to get it there? Or does it just not belong on this record and that kind of thing? So Yeah, it was a good challenge to try to write songs and not depend on production mm-hmm. to make them interesting, but on the songs and the words, the melodies, the harmonies and the I mean, guitar always, work. Always tried to do yeah. that, but it was like a more concerted effort to do it. Mm-hmm. And and it's so rewarding too mm-hmm. to know that you did it. Like that's you. Mm-hmm. Well it it was really it was rewarding. Kind of fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the video, did you say that you used to have a band? You have had a band before? Our second record we we did with the rhythm section mm-hmm. to super talented friends of ours. And then we took them on the road with us. So for about eight weeks of shows together. And we've been touring as a duo since then. But it was a definite paring down on purpose for this record. And mm-hmm. interestingly, the feedback we got on that full band tour was that it sounded great, but the part of the show that seemed to resonate the deepest with the crowd was when we would send those guys off for a few songs and do these duo songs in the middle. And so we decided to just kind of stay in that space. Listen and to the people. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And a lot of those people were friends who've known us for a long time and kind of said, that's cool, but a lot of people are doing that. What you did, just the two of you, there might be more there that's unique. So That's awesome. Why don't you guys play, you want to do the cover now? Okay, sure. sure. What are you guys going to play? It's a Weezer song called In the Garage. That we love. I've got a dungeon master's guide. I've got a twelve sided die. I've got kitty pride and that crawler too waiting there for me. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I've got posters on the wall. My favorite rock group kiss. I've got Ace Free. I do, I do In the garage I feel safe No one cares about my ways In the garage where I belong No one hears me sing this song 
Sounds so beautiful. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, that was so good. You. I think I could listen to you guys play like all day long. Oh, that's so kind. Your harmonies and your voices, they sound so good together. Ah, oh, it's so good. So let's take turns okay. and talk about how you got into music. I think you should go first, Daniel. Okay. I didn't really grow up in a house where we listened to tons of music. We listened to certain things a ton like certain Motown things or this band called the Gap Band they wrote that song you dropped a bomb on me you know that mm-hmm. song um anyway for some reason those kind of things I did grow up listening to a little bit but mostly grew up listening to sort of christian music or sort of whatever was sanctioned by youth group vibe situations and so I liked music I liked dancing and kind of being silly in my room and my sister loves dancing too so I've never really talked about any of that before, but anyway, I don't know why I'm saying that. But so long story short, I heard the Beatles when I was 12 and I somehow heard the White Album first. I don't know how that happened, but I just had not really heard anything. I mean, I guess I'd probably heard Hold My Hand on the radio or something, but I don't even remember having heard that. And when I heard the White Album, I was like, you can do this mm-hmm. with music. I just was completely How did you hear blown it? away. Well, my my grandfather used to give me a $50 bill when he came to town and he would let me do whatever I wanted and he would take me wherever I wanted to go and I was like I want to go to the used CD store. Really? That's where um, you Yeah. That's yeah. an interesting impulse if yeah, you like to, grew up in a home that you know didn't have a ton of it was just kind like of a, a huge cool, variety of music. It was just kind of a cool place to go. I loved books. So they also have books. Oh yeah, yeah. Edmund Case. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that place. Because we grew up in the same town. We, we have oh, a case here. Oh, you oh, do? Cool. Mm-hmm. Is it like used books mm-hmm. and CDs? Maybe it is a chain. Oh. I've, I've only seen one in Greensboro. Yeah. But... There's one in Winston-Salem too. Anyway, oh, continue. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Well, <laughs> so I went there and, and I picked out the White Album. I liked the cover. It's really simple. It's just you know, white and says the Beatles. But then I heard Blackbird and I remember thinking, 
oh my it was just like your mind was blown yeah i was just stirring all these things in me and around that time a couple of my friends were starting a band and i just was like yeah i'll be in the band but I, i couldn't play anything so the first thing i played was four notes on the piano on this song we wrote and i helped write the song I just like, yeah, the way you write songs, you just write them. And I was a pretty emotional kid, so I had lots of things I could say, kind of angsty. And so like I was playing with one finger and then one of my friends was like, hey, here's these are chords. You need to play chords mm-hmm. and like I'll play drums, but I know some piano and here. He taught me how to play a Beatles song. He taught me how to play Let It Be. And then kind of from there, I started learning a little bit. And my parents asked me if I was on drugs because of how much I was listening to music every day. They were like, you've been in your room alone for four hours. And I was a very social kid. Mm-hmm. So they were sort of like, I don't understand. And I was like, I just love it that much, you know. And, <laughs> and before that, I was going to be in the NBA. And that was I, your I, goal. That was my, yeah, that was my mm-hmm. first dream. And um, music replaced that really quickly. And so I was in that band that I was first playing with one finger mm-hmm. all through high school. I went to school at UNC. When I got there, I met these older guys who were already in a band, joined up with them, started songwriting with them. And then when I was 20, we moved to Nashville. By the time I was 20, I had already done some touring. We would tour every weekend. So I kind of knew, I guess really by 15, I thought, oh yeah, this is what I, mm-hmm. I guess I'll do this. Because I just loved it so much. I was super serious about it, even in high school. It, I thought I was. Yeah. And the other guys in the band were kind of like, chill, man. Like I was like, no, like, we're practicing every <laughs> we day, man. We have to practice. If we don't practice, we're not going to make it, man. <laughs> Since 20, I've toured most of my adult life. I'm 31 now. Wow. First with the band I met in college. And then Mm -hmm. when that band stopped touring, I moved back to North Carolina. And when I wrote alone, I ended up writing these kind of Bob Dylan inspired, almost really like Bob Dylan ripoff songs at first. And I was like, weird, I guess I write folk music when I'm not in a rock band. Um, (laughs) So I started making my records just under my name and met Lauren during when I was recording my second full length. Um, and maybe you could tell your story. I think, yeah, we should switch over here now. (laughs) So like growing up, I loved music so much and I think like Daniel didn't have a ton of exposure. I mean, my mom played piano and she always had classical music playing in the car when she picked us up from school and she took us to the symphony some, I don't know, I guess I was kind of exposed to some music, but I really, really loved music and really loved singing when I was little. And I supposedly at age three told my mom when I grew up, I was going to be a singer on the radio. But then as I got a little older, I realized I'm a really shy person. This probably isn't going to be a path for me. And I focused my energy into visual art because I also loved creating things and was really into that growing up. What kind of things do you create? Back then, I would make everything out of paper because those were like the tools of a child. Mm -hmm. They had like paper and scotch tape. So Mm -hmm. I would like make little houses out of paper. I made shoes out of paper. (laughs) I like made anything I I didn't have that I wanted. I just made it out of paper. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Some things were more functional than others. Um, (laughs) I guess in middle school, I started in band playing flute. I only did that for like one year. And then I did chorus for the rest of middle school. And then on into high school, I got really into chorus because it was like... I could still be a part of something beautiful and musical, but I didn't have to be in the center or a focal point. And so that felt like a really safe space to explore music. And I really think being an alto, you're always the harmony. And so I really learned a lot about harmony doing that, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm really grateful for. And then went to school for visual art and didn't think music would play a role in my life from that point on. But then I met Daniel and he coaxed me into singing on one of his albums. And then he was like... Now you're on the album. Now you have to perform with me. <laughs> or I said, do you want to? Probably. You, I don't know. You're... How did you guys meet? 
we met through mutual friends. That's the short story. Daniel, yeah. if you want to give a slightly longer story, you can take it away. All my stories are slightly longer than Lauren's. <laughs> I wanted to also say that before I asked Lauren to sing, I asked her to do the album artwork for my second solo record because I was I already liked her visual art and her design sense, and I just thought she had something there. And then yeah, and then she also sang. So she's also done all the album art and design for our band, every album art. The majority of our music videos, Lauren has done. That was going to be my next question. Uh, oh, okay. Yes. okay. Cool. We, we also collaborate with another husband-wife team, and they're, they're filmmakers in Virginia. They've done six music videos for us, I think, or maybe seven. And Lauren's done as many herself as well. But the way we met, I was in Nashville with the band I mentioned. And then when I moved back to my hometown, Lauren had get, become friends with all these people that I had grown up with. And I was kind of like, who's the new girl? But also funniest part of and where we like actually met the first time was Lauren was having a going away party because she was going to study abroad in France and so I tagged along with a friend of mine and crashed her going away party and then met her at her party that I wasn't invited to so that's just kind of a weird (laughs) way to meet somebody but at that party I was doing what I do at parties which is just stand by the speakers and just listen to the music so I don't say a bunch of weird stuff to people I don't know and I knew the song that was on, but there was a harmony on the song that I'd never heard. And so I was trying to figure out what version of the song it was. And I turned around and it was just Lauren singing along just to herself, but I was just standing near her. And what I remember is that I was like, oh, hi, I'm Daniel. That's really, you know, that's a beautiful harmony that you're writing in the moment. And it's really like intricate or something like that. But she said that all I said was, you should sing with me and didn't even introduce myself. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. We'll, you know. we'll never really know we, what happened. We will never really know what it's so great. What it's so happened. fun. <laughs> I feel like I do that all the time. I like see or someone like doing something really awesome, and I'm like, let's do something together. Yeah. yeah. Well, and honestly, it wasn't romantic at the mm-hmm. time. Like I wasn't like. It wasn't shady the way you no, were I mean, just. No, I think she had a boyfriend. I was not trying to say like, hey, you should sing with mm-hmm. me. I was more like, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. make some stuff and then yeah. it became romantic maybe six months after that how many years ago was that 2009 2009 okay and we got mm-hmm. married in 2012 mm-hmm. and so we've been married about five years and the band started in 2012 the band meaning lowland lowland home, home. Mm-hmm. yeah we started touring about a month after we got married i just asked lauren do you want to see if we could do this as a career we could just mm-hmm. see and you know, no reason to not try it out. And so we did a bunch of house shows. We did about a year of house shows. And at first, Lauren was just singing harmony on these songs I had written. And then eventually, uh, we were writing every single song together. And we just realized this is a different band. Mm-hmm. And it sounds totally different. It really has nothing to do with these kind of like twangy Bob Dylan inspired songs that I was making before that. You're That's selling so yourself great short, but... when things like evolve yeah. into what they're supposed to be because mm-hmm. you are with someone for so long and hmm. playing off of each other and your strengths. That's hmm. great. For years and years, I was just write a few songs with this mm-hmm. person and then did that when I was in Nashville too. And we've had an old kind of mentor friend who's he's 80. He's been consistently creating. Mm-hmm. He's a poet, so he doesn't make music, but He's consistently created since he's 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, we write to him a lot asking, how do you maintain this kind of creative energy mm-hmm. if you aren't successful in a way that would have everyone stop asking you why you're still doing it? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he had moments of being recognized for things, but a lot of times 
he doesn't even get credit for a lot of things that he has done that are really amazing. Yeah. And for him, he's like, he sees it as kind of a vocation and it's unrelated to his audience size. So he's given us some really helpful lessons really early on in our marriage. He lived with us for a year and a half at the beginning of our marriage. Mm-hmm. We just were touring all the time and had an extra room and we just love him. He's like a kind of like an adopted granddad slash best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, He's been hugely helpful in kind of keeping our perspective on what really matters. Mm-hmm. That's very hard. Cause, yeah, because most people just stop. And then you're mm-hmm. like, no, but I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's how people keep making music. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what our friend has also said. Like, he remains very flexible. Mm-hmm. So when he's trying to do things a certain way and that doesn't work, he does just kind of keep shifting and... For him, holding things loosely and being like malleable like that has allowed him to continue creating. Yeah. And it takes different forms in different decades of his life. Yeah. Let's yeah. do another song. Yeah, okay. I'd love to. What are you guys going to play? <clears throat> this song is called Palm Lines. Let me get a sip. And of it's also from this new record.
You have a video of this on YouTube. We do. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have lots of videos. Yeah. kind of do have now. There's something to add up. Mm-hmm. Just like it's fun. Done. And I yeah. feel like I saw one. I think at the beginning it said that it was made with an iPhone. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. And, it, and it's kind of like aerial a little bit. It's yeah. One, that is one shot the whole time. So like they one hit continuous record. continuous shot. And the entire time it's one. What are they using to oh, do that? It's an mm-hmm. iPhone with a steady cam. They have like a little oh, steady cam that okay. holds it. It's not actually a steady cam. It's called something else, but it's like a, a stabilization rig. Mm-hmm. For your phone. There was like a crew of six or seven people and there's one person filming and then one person trying to make sure that the person filming doesn't trip because mm-hmm. they're walking backwards through mm-hmm. the whole video. And it was really, it was fun, but like really intense. We rehearsed for like six hours because once you start, you kind of just like Have after, to commit. A, after a certain point, you need to finish the video, even if things go off the script and you mm-hmm. just kind of keep rolling. Spoiler alert, there were smoke bombs involved. And so like once you got to the point where the smoke bombs had gone off, we just had to like keep going mm-hmm. because we only had a certain number of smoke they're, bombs. They're not like the kind you can get at a fireworks store. They're like for film. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're, they're like little grenades. They're like large and they're yeah. expensive. So mm-hmm. we were like, all right, we need to get it on this next time and that's it mm-hmm. and so we rehearsed for six hours and then shot for two hours and we ended up shooting a second day for another couple hours but it was not a huge amount of time for the shoot because it's all done for four minutes and 40 seconds yeah, and you, you got it. it or not yeah. yeah no editing and what song is that it's called folded flowers the first one we yeah played. that's what i thought it was yeah. you've made some videos too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not on this I haven't made any. Oh, I did make one for this album cycle. I use a lot. For, for the next song we're about to play. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. great segue. Um, Final song. Yes. Yeah, I like to make videos using found footage. So mm-hmm. from just different archives online. It's really fun to sift through random footage and see the kinds of things that were captured before we were born in a lot of cases. Lots of home videos I like to look through. There's this one archive called Prelinger Archives based out of San Francisco that just has like a wealth of amazing home videos. But also the video for this song is shot using imagery from this 
short film made in the 50s about the elevated train in New York that was torn down shortly afterward. And the song Lauren's referring to is called In Flight. Yes, the one we are about to play. So I do enjoy that a lot. I, I would like to make some more for this album, maybe. We'll see what time allows. It's so fun. It is fun. Getting to use your art still. I know, mm-hmm. probably way more than I would be otherwise. I'm not the most disciplined person, so mm-hmm. having all these like projects with deadlines really helps me actually make things, yeah. which is really great. Do Let's you hear it. This song is called In Flight. We don't usually say this either, but it's, I'm just feeling in, in a talking, room. I'm just talking feeling talky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we kind of started writing this Sort of as a, like a tongue-in-cheek, what is called folk music right now is really different than what I thought of folk music 10 years ago and sort of what inspired me as a songwriter. I'm kind of like, wait, this is not the same thing. And it's like now on TV commercials, there's a kind of music that's like folk music, but I'm not trying to say anything negative. I just thought, wouldn't it be funny if we made up like a song that sounded like it was on like a car commercial or like on a Kroger I, commercial? I think what happened was we were watching something on Netflix or yeah, Hulu because there are commercials. Yeah, there's a commercial. It was like for a pharmacy or something. We we're like, gosh, we could write a song like that. <laughs> or we're like, I wonder if we could. We weren't yeah. sure. And then we started writing it. And then what happened and what always happens when you're writing a song, even if you're kind of like joking around, all of a sudden like your own life gets in there and then all of a sudden it's like it's not really a joke even if some of the lines are still like kind of funny to you uh you're also like and that's kind of embarrassing because i kind of mean that really dramatic (laughs) like sentiment that i just said so there's like a line that says i guess it's time for trains it's like most folk songs now and and i guess back in the day too it'd be like mentioning trains and whiskey and like certain things you know and then all of a sudden I notice like I write about the same things and even though I'm like aware of it and kind of annoyed by it I, I do it too so anyway the, the lyric is I guess it's time for trains I guess it's time for trains all lonesome singers start sounding the same and then it's kind of like resigned and kind of like making fun of our laughing at ourselves and I guess it's time for trains and then that song's <laughs> on our record so it's like you know I think it's uh half joke half really sort of confessional or Mm -hmm. something so so anyway here it is in flight sing me a lullaby sing me a lullaby i'm so far from home that i feel i could cry sing
Sometimes a walk is all you need. Sometimes a walk is all you need. When the world is ugly and your mind turns black, a walk might be all you need. Be my friend today. Be my friend today. To be myself, just be my friend today. Saw a field of wheat that swayed, rolling like an ocean wave, with sprays of gold instead of gray. Before we go, what advice can you give to the aspiring musicians out there? Mm. Okay, I'll go first. Yeah, I think you should. I think one thing that Daniel has encouraged me in when I first started writing songs, so I still feel kind of close to being in that place, is to try to focus on what you are uniquely gifted at versus running after something you want to be gifted at or you admire in someone else. I mean, it's totally fine to be inspired by other people and that stuff finds its way into what you're making. But I think the only way to make something unique is to make something that's coming from who you are and coming from a, an authentic place. And I mean, that can be kind of hard to know right away. So I think maybe pair that with just forcing yourself to make things and being okay with them not being the best things you've ever heard because the way you get better and the way you find what is true to who you are is by making a lot of things, I think. So two things. But do you have something, Daniel? We have this concept that we call yes town, and it just means any idea, give it some breathing room and say yes to it. And I think if someone would have explained to me the way to create the most songs that you can and the way to grow in excellence is to have two basically distinct periods of time. There's a time where you just say yes to everything, and then there's an editing time, but those need to be for most people, I think those need to be separate so that you're not trying to assess while creating mm -hmm. so that you're able to really be free and not be evaluating yourself every second while writing because it, that's too much pressure and it, it doesn't allow you to innovate. It's sort of like... Restricting. Yeah, it mm -hmm. stops you up before mm -hmm. you really get some stuff flowing. And I think like some of my favorite songs come after I 
I've written two or three songs that for a few days I think are awesome. And then I realized those aren't even good at all. But I, I needed to do that so that I could understand this other thing. And I think understanding live in Yes Town for a while and then transition into editing time. But I mean, when we're writing for a record, we try to write way more songs than we would need for the record. I don't know. It's like there's this expectation that songwriters have only profound thoughts or something or have a hugely like a very high percentage of really profound thoughts and the truth is nobody is really like that people think of mostly stupid stuff Mm -hmm. and occasionally you're really given or entrusted with something really beautiful but Mm -hmm. it's pretty rare Mm -hmm. so so don't be surprised or discouraged if most of what you think and write sucks pretty bad (laughs) that's totally fine and that's like everybody's like that Mm -hmm. Uh, and it helps you take yourself less seriously to just have a kind of yes town thing finish some kind of random song that even in the moment you're kind of like i know this isn't so good but just finish Mm -hmm. it and and i i think and then transition to a more editing space or critical space and my other thought is find somebody whose opinion that you trust and begin to ask them for honest feedback and It may be painful at first, but the truth is you aren't your songs. Mm -hmm. No one can distill themselves into a song in any kind of way that would, where where if someone heard it, they'd be able to make some kind of pronouncement on your worth or something. Your identity is not in your songs. It comes from a much, uh, much larger, more mysterious place than that. And so those are two ideas that come to me, but. Well said. And also hang in there. (laughs) Hang in there. It's a painful thing to share yourself with other people. And if it, and if it feels painful and scary, that probably means you're onto something in some ways, and it's really worthwhile. I think I admire you, listener, who is writing your own songs and trying to <laughs> play them for people. And mm-hmm. remember, you also remember, I wish someone told me this too, you can't control your audience, and your mm-hmm. audience size is really not your business. Do your best to share it with the most people you can, but be at peace with whatever size audience you have and realize it's meaningful even just to sing. Uh, just the sound of your voice in an arranged way is like, pushing back the chaos mm-hmm. and is like bringing something into existence that has a good force, a beautiful force. Anyway, I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it helps me. Thank you so much yeah, for thank being you. on Thank today. you for having us. us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Songbirds Guitar Museum, a guitar-oriented pop culture experience for the whole family, is now open at the historic Chattanooga Choo Choo. Come experience the beauty and evolution of the guitar. Discover the origins of rock and roll from gospel to blues and jazz to R&B to the sounds of Motown and the invasion of the British. See and hear the impact of surf music and raw acoustic music of country, bluegrass, and folk. Each Songbirds Guitar Museum exhibit features the guitars that made the music as well as the stories and artists that brought them to life. 